Hi, welcome back to IQ for You with Dr. James Norrie and Dr. Tamara Schwartz. Um, this is episode five Risky Business Sex Work Goes Virtual. Um, it's called the world's oldest profession, but to label it as such is to ignore the significant disruption that technology has visited upon this industry. Technology has created an environment to improve access to customer markets, grow wages, and improve safety, even in the online sex industry. And it's also fostered a whole lot of entrepreneurial growth, which begs the question, how do sex workers gauge risk in their industry and what factors contribute to their decision making? So hang on after this quick break. We'll be right back for a super interesting episode. Welcome back. I'm Dr. James Norrie, and I'm with my ever-wonderful colleague and friend. Tammy Schwartz. And there we are talking today about the risky business of sex work goes viral. And Tammy did an amazing job putting together the production notes for this. I I just can't wait to get our listeners engaged in this topic. Now, for those of you that think it's going to be a salacious, sexy episode, I I hate to burst your erotic bubble. It's It's not going to be quite that. It's going to actually draw, as it should, on the themes of this podcast and the ideas of the risks and rewards involved in decisions. Which should actually put one of our colleagues at, at Eddie's because he sent me an email when he saw this <laughs> script and he said, oh my goodness, you're going to alienate all our customers. <laughs> so going back to that whole no. risk, even just talking about this subject can feel risky in certain audiences. It can. And even my banker friends, which are legion, I have a lot of them because of course we have a number of banks that are customers and I, I love my bankers. I've been consulting and banking for a very long time. So uh, I think even bankers are going to enjoy this particular treatment of this topic. So Tammy, <laughs> tell us a little bit about this. Get, get us rolled off. So first of all, in, in, the modern, in the modern definition, when we think of the sex work industry, tell us what that is. Oh, the sex work economy includes a ton of stuff. It includes phone and internet sex operators. It includes pornography actors. It includes exotic dancers, um, juicy girls, which if you're military, you're familiar with. If, you ha- if you're not, if you saw the movie Hustlers, where the women would go and have a drink with someone and then suddenly it cost them their fortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, live sex shows, window, mo- window models, um, and then there's the stuff that falls into the gray area. Shall I, dare like, I say it, the, the hands-on sex work. <laughs> right. May I say that? Erotic <laughs> massage, sexual <laughs> services, all that kind of stuff. All right. Um, so, so we kind of so, know. I, th- I think we can right. locate ourselves. We got, in what, we got an idea what the sex industry is. So, so what I'm most intrigued with, and of course, this is the theme of our podcast. So if you're new to us, uh, you might want to go back and pick up some of our earlier episodes, give you a little bit of a foundation. But we are uh, applying our understanding of um, sort of light psychometrics and psychology and behavioral science to the ideas of risks and rewards and right. the trade-offs. In, in epi- episode three, we talked about drawing your own personal red line. And right. so... One might wonder where someone who chooses to participate in this industry draws that that line, right? And that is exactly the discussion. So let's talk a little bit about some of the risks and the perceived rewards for people who whose red line permit them to be in this industry. Right. So, so for starters, there is some gray market activity here and there's some pure black market activity. So choosing to engage in a, in a black market industry is is a huge risk, right? Right. Um, there's, there's your personal freedom right. <laughs> at stake. Yep. There is um, criminal charges, criminal right? charges, the I difficulty mean, of paying taxes and banking and all the things that go with that kind of stuff. social, mm-hmm. social risk. So in right. terms of your, um, it, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
your peer Sti- group. Stigma. And your stigma. stigma. There we go. Stigma. Um, exploitation is one of the big concerns about this industry. In fact, um, statistically, we know that about 98% of human trafficking is the sexual ex- exploitation of women, and uh, that sexual exploitation industry generates about $99 billion globally. Wow. So there you see what the financial reward is weighing off against the risks of Ill- illegal activity. Right. And of course, we have known for some time the old age old adage, right? Crime pays. And it is unfortunate that when you are prepared to be in a, in a as a participant in a business which is illegal, there is typically a premium paid to the people who participate because there is clearly legal and social risk that is not uh, not right. inconsequential. Yeah, and and if we go back again, if, if we recommend listening to uh, episode three where we talk about all the varieties of personal risks that come, but some of the ones that come into play, um, say your physical safety, uh, health risk, because there's no benefits in this sure. <laughs> industry. Um but there's a whole lot of survival, financial risk. Oftentimes, the folks who participate in this industry are at, at in financial insecure, financially insecure environments. And, and um, if you go around the world, many people who who support their families on this industry, they're they're marginalized women. Neat. Well, so full disclosure, as many of you know, in addition to uh, being the founder and CEO of CyberCon IQ and uh, and also the co-host of this podcast, IQ for You, one of the other things I, I often do is I write quite a bit about things, write books and write magazine articles and op-ed pieces and journal articles and so on. And one of the most interesting was many, many years ago, we looked at this idea that technology was actually going to disintermediate criminal interests in prostitution. And I, you know, this, this does not a topic that a lot of people would think about. But if you think about the days of old when you had prostitution out on the streets and you had them gathering in public places and you had pimps and you had criminal elements and and then along came the internet. And it, so it was a matching problem beforehand and the internet correct. fixed a lot of that. Right. And so this drives home the point that I often give. I, I give a fairly um, well-known lecture called Sex and IT that is well attended by students at the college when I when I do it. And again, they're waiting for it to be salacious when in fact, what it really talks about is how those industries have typically, and the workers in them, have typically been early adopters of technology. And Much, drivers of innovation. And drivers of innovation. So E-commerce came out of the sex out of the sex work industry. Correct. Well, as did things like video, video compression. Uh, you know, the, the, the stuff that enables you to download quicker. Right. <laughs> Bandwidth well, technology. Exactly. So, <laughs> right. so you know, it's, it's really interesting when you look at the fact that the industry itself has become much more mainstream now. So let, let us just imagine that as somebody teaching IT or cybersecurity in a classroom, I can use the term porn or porn industry, or I can talk about um, the technologies that have emerged from that, and that doesn't shock anybody. In fact, you would want to know uh, in many ways how this particular industry un- in, you know, unfolds and, and is engaged and involved in technological innovation, and it drives innovation. It's fascinating. And- and in fact, I um, had a conversation with my pastors at my church about the fact that there is so much innovation going on in the tech industry, in, in this industry related to technology, that bring up a host of ethical questions yes. that we don't equip our children for because, we, well, one, as as older generations, we're not entirely familiar with what's going on, um, and and two. This subject makes people uncomfortable, and so it always feels like a risk to go and talk about it, even right. if the purpose is safety. Right. And, you know, for our listeners, I would encourage uh, any of you who are parents or parents-to-be 
or if you're uncles or aunts to nieces and nephews, that you really focus on not just technical literacy, that is just not how to use the particular devices in question, but also talking to them about information literacy, the sources of information, who they trust, what they do. You know, we're in election season here. We were joking in one of the episodes about the fact that we are a mere few weeks from the uh, 2020 presidential election in our purple state. And the relief it will give us from uh, phone calls, emails, and text messages. Those of us living in purple states can't wait to no longer swing. I'll just let let it sort of hang there. Uh, So anyway, so that's as as bad as it's going to get on this podcast, I promise. But but back to the point, I, I think that we also have to be prepared then as parents to talk about sexual information literacy, right? Which is what are the choices you're going to make when in the, in the mainstream nature of being in a post-private world, so many people are going to achieve their romantic relationships online. So, you know, online dating has become mainstream. I mean, we no longer right. go to the church well, picnic looking sexting. longingly across that sexting. sexting. And the fact that, that right. children, you know, middle school, high school kids, technically the minute they start doing that, engaging in that behavior among their community, they have violated pornography laws, child pornography laws. Well, in some states now, depending on the state, some states. So the lawyer in me wants to jump in here. So some states have gotten quite smart about this, and they've put you know contemporaneous age restrictions on this exact problem because being charged and convicted with a child pornography charge, even as a juvenile, is a lifelong sentence to disaster. So, but the point being, because these things have become so widespread and so accessible. Our children's perceptions of risk related to them are very different from those of us in the Gen X, and, and certainly I, right. baby boomers don't even conceive of what we're talking about. Right. So, so let's let's hover there for a second, because this is a really great example to you. So one of the things that I think is uh, clear is that um, members of our listening audience of a certain age will remember playing spin the bottle <laughs> in the wood-paneled rec room of their parents' basements. Let's be clear. Now, truth that, or dare. Their truth or dare, right. Now, so those were the early incarnations of explorations and the early things that we did to explore explore our sexuality. It's a perfectly normal thing. Mm-hmm. Now fast forward. So this current idea that sexting is more severe, it has different consequences and it is more visible. But of course we live in a post-private world. So back to risk, their relative understanding of risk is not the same right. as potentially the prosecutors and the people making the laws about this. And so right. um, or I, the people I, who might hire them someday. Yes, exactly. So so I think there's a lot to be said about how these shifts, these are social shifts how they reflect personal risk and rewards. So I think we'll go to a break. And And when we come back, we will talk a little bit more about this shifting perception of risk and this particular industry. I love it. See you right after the break. iq for You is brought to you by CyberCon IQ, a patent-pending cybersecurity awareness learning platform that is based on behavioral science. CyberCon IQ understands that every individual's learning journey is different. So why should everyone receive the same training program? At the heart of the CyberCon IQ solution is a personal style assessment. By first understanding the workplace persona of each individual in an organization, CyberCon IQ then delivers a personally curated cybersecurity education that teaches employees to recognize the cyber threats they are most susceptible to. Visit CyberConIQ.com for more information on this revolutionary learning platform. That's great. All right. And uh, we've been talking about the world's oldest profession. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, um, second, of course, I mean, you know the famous joke, right? So you. Well, the I older one's through. actually accounting. That dates back even farther. Well, that does, but I, but I've got to tell a joke because you know I have been a, a an on and off a consultant for a long time, and I know you have, and so uh, I'll tell a bad joke for our listeners. The the only difference between the world's oldest professional and consulting is they um, both promise a good time. <laughs> it's just. I know. It's just that one is way more expensive than the other. So let me just leave it at that, okay? Yeah. Okay. All righty. All right, moving on. Okay, so we were talking about the the changing social perceptions of risk with respect to the sex work industry um, and and how some of that ties into the, the emerging technology and the fact that this particular industry is an early adopter and a and an innovator. Um, and and so the the first thing that happened in the tech industry that began to change these perceptions is this concept of technologically mediated sex work. So the telephone was invented in 1876, and a hundred years later, the first phone sex line was was launched. And then webcam technology first came available in 1991, and Jenny Cam, which was the first life caster. 1996. So mm-hmm. uh, from 100 years to five years in terms of a tech, do- <laughs> tech adoption. And, and now we've got teledildonics. So this is the whole um, computer. Remote experience. <laughs> Let's leave it at enabled that. <laughs> the bankers toys. are starting to blush, Tammy. <laughs> All right. We won't go any farther with that. Um, so this idea of technological, technological mediation means that that puts this whole black market behavior into a gray area because there's not actually maybe exchange of services in the way that the laws were crafted. Mm. And so that begins to, from a social perception of risk, make people think, well, maybe maybe it isn't so bad. Um, and then another piece that the technology has enabled is this creation of communities of interest and self-forming, self-forming knowledge communities. About the sex work industry. About the sex work industry. Well, so, well, what, do you, what do you mean? Uh, uh, so, fill me in. I don't. I don't understand exactly. So, if you think about how you can go out on the internet and you can find some sort of community of practice to chat right. with about, I don't know, software development. Okay. Well, or cybersecurity. Or cybersecurity, or or whatever. You can also go out there and find knowledge communities about the the sex work industry. So, things that warn about. Bad customers, customers that can't that that put you at risk, that could hurt you. Wow. Um, law enforcement, so somebody who might be undercover. Um, then there's information about pricing strategies. So how can you enter a multi-tiered market? How can you go into new markets? How can you find the right right caliber of customer to both earn more money and wow. make yourself safer? Um, so, so then, so then, like in like any industry, uh-huh. these are professional communities of practice, mm-hmm. right? We're getting together. This might also explain an interesting trend. Both you and I are aware of. We've looked at this in some detail and studied this. It's one of the reasons that it is so easy for younger college age aged males and females to enter this industry as a high paying 
part-time gig, right? Talk about the gig economy. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you can be an Uber driver or... <laughs> you can so- sell your socks online <laughs> <laughs> to someone uh, with a foot fetish. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's really intriguing. It's becoming almost socially acceptable in some demographics that that is considered to be entrepreneurship. So you said there's a connection to entrepreneurship. So, so the risk to me is that when you're young and you're doing this, and if you think that that creates a natural distance between you and the acts and the person's involved, it probably right. does legally, but it still means that you were in that business. And I guess maybe that's something for people to think about is, have we become a little too cavalier about this? Well, and so one of the things, here comes, an, here comes another piece of cybersecurity and tech and this particular industry, is that there is this... I'm going to engage in this, but I have a username and I'm not going to disclose my real right. name. Now, psychologically, by the way, so the psychologist can't wait to say this. So uh-huh. this is known as a disassociative effect, right? right? So what this is, is as you put, so in the studio, if you were to imagine us, you know, we've got mics in front of us. And so this disembodied voice gets picked up by this mic, but there's technology between you and I. Now we have eye contact deliberately in the studio. So that somewhat creates the personal connection. But if we didn't, you would be hearing my voice and I would be hearing you, but I would have no physical contact. And the same thing happens when you put your fingers on a keyboard. We know this. We've studied mm-hmm. this. People will say and do things online that they would not do if they could see the person. So our natural filters, our restraint, the social cues and the biases we learn about what is acceptable social conduct are actually diminished in many ways when we put our fingers on a keyboard because we are no longer thinking about the impact of our behavior in a social context and the disintermediation of that from our behavior is a very well-studied and potentially very dangerous thing and plays right into this episode, right? You've got people who... So so there's two pieces to this. One is that I have this perception of anonymity. Yes, which may or may not be true. Is the perception that I'm alone. Right. And when I'm alone, I have privacy. No one sees what I'm up to. And so... And even if they did, I'm anonymous is the perception. And so this and this is the big impact that tech has had on this industry is that it's it, it suddenly seems like my personal risk has is much lower. And and I, I say my personal risk, but I, I'm not engaging in this industry in any way. That's shape one or of form. your red lines. I take it, Tammy. <laughs> definitely one of my okay, red good, lines. That's good. I don't um, know that your pastor would approve of your new part time job. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Maybe this one, which we're <laughs> podcasting, but no, I'm definitely not engaged. But but you bring up a good point. These sorts of, of engagements, these sorts of businesses, they live online. And if it lives online, it lives forever. Right. And so... Well, and, and so much of this so business... So many different kinds of risk on our list that are impacted by that. Well, and, and remember, so much of the differences between men and women on this point. So it is possible, actually, to do all kinds of studies about um, sexual... Um, excitement and stimulation and the differences in genders about how to do that. And what we know about males is they are driven typically by visual depictions, right? This is an important part of, of what it is. So, so if the business model involves um, males, straight males, for sure you're going to be visible. So you're a young college-age girl and you think that you got some protection because you've got that disassociative, you know, it's my username is, is not me and I'm on this computer. But facial but rec let's has remember, gotten tremendously well, accurate and, and it's only going to get more so well and so imagine you know you're on the other side of this do you know whether they have done a screen capture 
Right. Are they capturing the video? Where is that video going? What are the risks voice, of that? Re- voice recognition, right. image recognition. Right. So we forget about that, and that, yeah. that is something I worry about, particularly for digital natives, right? Kids who have grown up, and even with the best of intention parents, so I'm not in any way uh, making our listeners responsible for this because it's a social trend that we can't, right. we absolutely can't deny. Digital natives live with a post-private understanding of the idea of personal security and privacy and, and protection of their information. And, and you know, it's, it's really something we fight because in the workplace now, as we now have two generations of digital natives working alongside people who don't, I can tell you, Teaching cybersecurity best practices to digital natives is not an easy thing to accomplish. So for all of you who are listening who are wondering why you're having trouble getting hacked at work, I'll tell you why. Because they think they're safe, but they aren't. Well, and that's part of the reason that I like to use this particular industry in the classroom as a, as a to set the frame of privacy because this is still... It's a many of them, many yes. of them still have red lines yes. related to wanting to keep their private life private. private. Right, um, and so that's kind of an interesting thing. All right. Well, I think we should probably transition to a break, and we'll be right back after the break with our uh, current in the news segment and to wrap up this really great uh, conversation about okay. the sex work industry and going viral. This segment is presented by CyberCon IQ, an innovative behavioral science-based approach to cybersecurity. If you are joining us here at iq for You, you too are fascinated by risk and rules and by the calculus which drives our decision-making process. CyberCon IQ understands this as well. They have applied their expertise in trait-based personality theory to predict and interdict against today's cyber threats. Their patented personal style assessment and adaptive learning platform will empower professionals and organizations to reduce the potential cost associated with cyber attacks and will advance a strengthened risk and compliance culture within. Visit CyberCon and Q to learn more on this innovative approach. Welcome back to our final segment of this episode of our podcast. And we are going to do the in the news and comments from listener section. And I think, Tammy, you have a letter from a listener to share. I have an email from Mike in Florida. Um, And Mike writes, It's great to see someone with the chutzpah to take on the forbidden biz, which has really driven so many tech advancements in the industry. When I was at Akamai, the online pornography biz drove significant corporate growth in a couple of areas. The early 2000s saw the explosion of content delivery networks like Akamai as they facilitated positioning content out at the edge of the network, wherever that might have been. The mid-2000s then exploded the CDN business with the advent of streaming capabilities, which exploded the growth of companies like Akamai by being able to provision bandwidth and edge exposure and make it possible to provide real-time and live mm. activities. If you see listeners in the, <laughs> what, did in the, the studio, quotes. <laughs> air quotes, the live activities. This enabled the tremendous growth in network provisioning, firewalls, all types of early cyber provisioning and protection capabilities, and really set the stage for tremendous technological advancements that make your head spin thinking about it now. By the way, the CDNs were providing cyber protection in terms of protection from denial of service attacks by absorbing malicious attacks against key government and corporate sites, uh, lay a premium wherever they happened back at the turn of the century. Um, 
The need, want, desire of the sex biz as well as other legitimate demands drove this innovation that created the cyber business as we know it today. So there's your link between cybersecurity and the fact that much of it was driven by this innovative, early adopting industry. Absolutely. Well, and whether or not you're a cybersecurity professional, you can imagine that the explosive growth in online networks and all of the related activities in the home and in corporate networks and government networks is what has pulled this together. And if you listened already to episode two, you know that the thesis we have is that this is a technology um, or a problem that's been created by technology and cannot be solved by throwing more technology at it. And so I, I think we have really delved... Um, deeply into this idea today, which is really great, about the connection between technology and personal risks and, I guess, rewards. It's still a, it's still a socially <laughs> marginalized business, but I guess we could talk about getting <laughs> getting bang for your buck out One of, of the... You know, <laughs> what, well, what, the reward for, for the college students see is, you know, the, the financial risk of attending college with all the big, huge student loans. This is a way to mitigate the financial risk by taking these personal risks, which they don't actually perceive because of the tech. Wow. Well, all right, listen, we are always interested in hearing from our listeners and our uh, our listener base is really growing quite rapidly. So we have lots of you to hear from. So feel free to reach out anytime and you have a comment, you can do that by email or better yet, send us an audio file with your thoughts because we really want to know what you think. You can reach us at iq for you at cyberconiq.com. And as we always do, until next time on iq for you keep your game on against the con. Have a great day. Have a great day. This episode of IQ4U is produced by me, Chris Perez, and editor is Abigail Spar. Special thanks to our co-host and this week's content developers, Dr. James Nori and Dr. Tamara Schwartz. All rights for this podcast are reserved to CyberCon IQ, Inc., and you can listen to this podcast for free on any of your favorite platforms or by visiting us at cyberconiq.com.